Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? Welcome to the show. Thanks, bitch. This is Monica and Jelly. This is Jelly, everyone. Hi. <sighs> Such a cutie. He is. Babe, can you introduce yourself for our listeners? Yes. So my name is Monica. I am a life coach. I'm a period whisperer, as I like to call myself now. And I do a lot of stuff with like trauma healing. And over the time of helping women heal their cycle, that's kind of how my business really started, was focusing on that. Since I started that, I've just seen this intense kind of connection between trauma, our subconscious brain, and being embodied in our feminine energy and how that affects our cycle, both positively and negatively. So that is how I started my business. And that's kind of me. So yeah, my main focus for women is to get them really embodied in their feminine energy. And that obviously comes with being safe, um, feeling safe in their body, feeling safe in their feminine energy. And uh, a lot of that has to do with period health. My work affects people's periods. And I know a shit ton about your cycle, PCOS, endo, all the things that we're going to talk about today. I'm a Sag. Sagittarius. I'm a double Sag, rising gem, um, Enneagram 8, and I'm a generator. Yeah, and Leo energy here. So we've yeah. got a lot of fire. Lot of fire coming. Fire but, gel, but Jelly's a cancer, so he kind of like mellows me out a little bit. <laughs> uh, so today's going to be... Four, four, four. Yeah, it's 4-4-4 four, four, four <laughs> at the time we're recording this, so all the good vibes. Uh, today we're going to be diving into a very empowering discussion around periods. I know for me that up until, you know, even a few years ago, I was of the narrative that having a period was pretty inconvenient. I think I see this sentiment in the mainstream. Women think that it's a burden. They'd rather not have it. I see women rejoicing on Facebook groups when they are taking contraception and it means they can skip their period or they haven't had a period in two yet two years and they're like, woohoo. Mm. And I'm like, no, no, go to Monica's page, <laughs> go to Monica's podcast. But what I want to pick your brain on first is is it normal to have a heavy, painful period? Because I think a lot of people think it's normal, but what's the deal? So it's not normal, it's common. So the common things are all the piece, all, all, all the PMS, the mood swings, the painful periods, the heavy periods, the bloating, the cramps, the headaches, the fucking migraines, 
the loss of libido, all that kind of stuff is common, but it's not normal. All that is normal to happen coming up to your period is to get a little bit more tired. You, what I will call, you'll go into your cool as a cucumber phase. So you'll have a massive to-do list and you'll be like, mm, nah, fuck that shit. But that's it. That's all that's normal. You probably won't want to, um, you won't want to like go out and stuff at nighttime. You're probably just feeling a bit more introverted and all that shit's normal. But besides that, every other like physical health problem that people get is not normal. It's so common. So it really infuriates me when I see people on Instagram kind of talking about like, oh, your PMS phase, or like I'm just PMSing and it's so normal to be PMSing. It's not, when people say like bloating is normal, PMSing is normal, cramps are normal. I'm like, no, they are not normal. They, you don't need to shame yourself for having them. That's not what I, you, don't, you need to do. You don't need to feel bad about having them because I'm going to tell you I'm not have them. Um, but you, uh, they're not normal. There's no part of them that's like, that's how it's meant to be as a, as a woman. And I actually found, um, long story short, I found a message I sent to a friend back in 2012. And the message was, I have like, I was, I missed school or something or other. My friend was like, where are you today, Missy? And I was like, I had my period. It fucking sucks. Like I wish it would go away or something or other. It was basically like years ago. And me, I was like, wow, that was at like the prime of having such horrendous periods. And I thought, so when my period then disappeared, I thought it was the beast fucking knees. Like I didn't get it checked out or go and see someone for, I think it got to the one year mark. And then my mom was like, you need to go see someone. And I eventually was like, "Mm, yeah, maybe something is wrong. Maybe it isn't that normal, but I thought it was the best. I thought it was the fucking tits when I didn't have a period. Mm, I think a lot of women would resonate with that. Why is it that so many women, I mean, I would say it's the thing, like the common thing that we do have a painful period or you have a heavy period that's, you know, really throws you out of balance and throws you out of your normal way of being. So what are some of the contributing factors to that? Mm, The biggest one is like stress and food. So I do a lot of energy work and whatever for periods. And most of the time now women will come to me um, for Queen Alchemy once they have done like all the food things, they've, they've stopped over-exercising, they're eating healthy now, they're taking the supplements and like nothing has changed. That's when we do the energy stuff. But as a rule of thumb from the get-go, you want to like nail the physical body components and that being like food, nutrition, like sleep, exercise, stress levels. Most women are so fucking stressed consciously and subconsciously. And even if you think I'm not stressed, like I'm chilling, it's COVID, I don't even work anymore, like blah, blah, you're fucking stressed and you don't know it. Like unless you literally like live on a farm with no one around you probably, and even then you could still be stressed. What I've found is the subconscious stress is actually sometimes more damaging to our system than the conscious stress. Because when you're consciously stressed, you'll try and mitigate it. You'll try and balance it out. But the subconscious stress, because you don't know about it, you'll think everything is normal, but like your period is showing you it's not normal. So people's crappy, crappy diets. um, And I'm not saying then you have to go and restrict yourself. I'm saying people eat such shitty food all the time and they don't even know it's shitty and it's definitely become a trend and this is triggering so warning it's definitely become a trend on social media to like celebrate eating junk food like that's body love and it annoys me because I'm like that isn't body love to me if you were to like really enjoy an amazing brownie and you were to make an experience out of it like yes that would be enjoying in pleasure that's a very French thing to do where there is no such thing as deprivation right like they enjoy a beautiful tart they enjoy their 
cigarettes, their wine, their cheese, all that kind of stuff. And I'm all about that. And I always say, you know, eat the healthy stuff, except when you're in Italy or except when you're in France and then go fucking crazy. But so many people are eating shit food and they're doing it like just out of habit. Um, and they're not eating, eating real food because it's either like too much effort or it's boring or it doesn't taste good. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what food you're eating because my healthy food is not boring. It does not, not taste good. Otherwise, why the fuck would I eat it? So food is a really, really big one that I see. And then like people's sleep cycles, obviously, and then subconscious stress comes from anything. And the one that I'm seeing the most of this year is subconscious stress from COVID, from the unknown, the decision-making fatigue, the stress of being away from family, from friends, from your partner. Um, and if you're really intuitive and, and an empath, um, yours can also be the collective stress and it's showing up like energetically in your period. But as a rule of thumb, start with your physical body before you go to like your energetic, spiritual, mental body. Amazing. Yeah, yeah totally. And I think we are very sensitive beings at our core, feminine beings, right? That's the magic of the feminine, being in tune with your body and your sisters and each other and being able to pick up on other people's emotions and having empathy for that. Yeah. And so then to just think that we have no effect on each other mm. and our environment as well. Just like, like we always think up. Yeah, like exactly. I went to Amy's house for dinner the other night and I got my period early because I was like releasing something or something was happening in the cosmos, I can't remember. And I got my period early and the next morning she got her period early. And we were both the same in that we didn't feel like we had a period. I have my period right now as well. And I, it doesn't feel like I have a period for some reason. There's something going on. Like obviously there's something fucking going on in the universe right now. Like holy shit with the election or whatever. But like I've been so normal. My energy has been like through the roof. It's just crazy shit, but amazing shit happening. So yeah. women are so connected to the universe and to out to earth and like our period is that connection and a really good example is when the Australian bushfires were happening so many women there was I mean I was mourning for mother earth during that time like it was traumatic to be seeing all that destruction um and be witnessing it and for the first time ever I had period pain that time that that cycle um and a lot of other women had period pain like December January of last year when the um when the bushfires were going on and I'm not surprised it was it was the pain of mother earth like we were all grieving it we were all feeling it in our wombs yeah totally totally we have that connection and um, I think perhaps some of the disconnection from that from our true mystical witchy magical spiritual intuitive nature is maybe the reason why so many women feel disconnected from their bodies and from their period like a lot of people won't even talk about that. They won't even use the word tampon, for example. Or period, they'll say time of the month. Yeah, or, you know, even just referring to their pussy yeah. as, like, my private parts or even the the kind of childlike language that they used as a kid, yeah. like wee-wee or pee-pee, <laughs> you know, and it's like there's I this. Used to... <laughs> I used to say pachina. <laughs> My mum, my mom, I remember this vividly in the car, Monica. It's vagina. I'm like, no, it's Pachina, Monica. It's vagina, mum. It's Pachina. Like, I remember this so distinctly. Like, no, Monica, it's fucking vagina. <laughs> well, something that I do really want to touch on because it's increasing more and more in prevalence are conditions like PCOS and endometriosis and a lot of people who get mis misdiagnosed or 
haven't been diagnosed and are misdiagnosed in terms of the type of PCOS they have. I know that there's some differences there. So uh, why don't you take it away with some of the key things that you're seeing that are leading to this for women Mm. um, and also touch on, you know, this misdiagnosis piece that's really causing a lot of havoc for a lot of people. The really unfortunate thing that I find quite frustrating um, is that women go to doctors I go to doctors trusting them and their opinion I mean now I don't because I don't trust their opinion or their diagnosis Um, but unfortunately it's just like every woman she goes to her doctor and the majority of the time sent away with like a prescription for a drug or told that that's just how it's meant to be like when I went to my doctor years ago when I had my period issues there was no mention of like oh you have too much estrogen like or oh like the pill is not going to help you it's going to make it worse like you actually need to do x y and z it's always just like take a drug and I mean they are um, funded by pharmaceutical companies so like obviously that's why they do it but um the most one of the things I see most like misdiagnosed is PCOS pretty sure like every second woman now has PCOS and I'm like, you don't have fucking PCOS. You have adrenal fatigue. Your inflammation is through the roof or you just came off the pill. So you have post pill PCOS. So there's all these different types of PCOS. You've got insulin resistant, you've got post pill, you've got adrenal and you have inflammatory PCOS. Now, oh, then you have insulin as well. So insulin resistant PCOS is generally speaking the PCOS people talk about. But when you go to a doctor, your doctor doesn't say to you, generally speaking, oh, you have insulin-resistant PCOS. They will just see cysts and they'll be like, you have PCOS. Well, guess what, guys? Everyone has fucking cysts on their ovaries because that's what happens when your follicle starts to form before you ovulate. All these little cysts are on your ovary kind of fighting for which one's going to burst which one's going to burst and then one of them bursts and that's then your ovulation and the egg floats down your fallopian tube and either you fall pregnant or you don't if you were to look at a woman's ovary before she ovulated majority of women if you're a health if you're having a healthy ovulatory cycle you would actually have a bunch of cysts on your ovaries that does not mean you have fucking pcos so a lot of doctors it's like oh you have long cycles and your period doesn't come frequently, you have PCOS. So when you come off the pill, that happens because your body isn't regulated. Some women like me, it takes your body ages to start making hormones again. And so you can be diagnosed with PCOS when actually you've come off the fucking pill. So that if your inflammation is really, really high, your estrogen is going to be high, your adrenals are going to be suffering, and that's going to delay ovulation, and that's going to delay your period as well. And that will then give you what looks like PCOS. But actually, you just have high inflammation if you lowered your inflammation you wouldn't have quote-unquote PCOS then you've got the adrenal PCOS and that's obviously exactly as it sounds your adrenals are overworked you're way too stressed out so your period isn't coming coming regularly you're not ovulating regularly because your body is like it's not a safe environment for you to have a baby because you're really fucking stressed um and it thinks that you're running away from a saber-toothed tiger which you're obviously not but your body doesn't know the difference so then you don't ovulate and then you don't have a period right And they're all the different types of PCOS. Then you've got the insulin resistant where you are insulin resistant and that then causes your body to not ovulate regularly. Now that's a different story, but again, you can fix your insulin resistance and then you can still ovulate regularly. I've had so many clients and it breaks my heart for them and just generally like for the collective where they have been told you can't have a baby because you have PCOS. And I'm like, what doctor would fucking say that? You can have a baby even if you have quote unquote PCOS. And I've had so many clients that have fallen pregnant 
with PCOS. Like, and, it, and they fall pregnant fucking easily as soon as they understand their cycle or as soon as they start, you know, regulating their hormones and that kind of stuff again. Um, so I kind of also want to say if any doctor ever says to you, you can't fall pregnant, you can just fucking flick them the bird and leave their office because I've had so many clients that you know, have been trying for months and months and months and no doctor can figure out why they can't have a baby. And then they do either the combination of the physical and or the energetic or one or the other. Um, and then they have a baby. And I've had so many clients that have had PCOS that have had a baby, like without a really, without that much of a problem and they're totally fine. So PCOS is the one that I would see is the most heavily misdiagnosed. And then doctors just say, you have to go on the pill. That's how you regulate your hormones. Um, That is not how you regulate your hormones because there is no hormonal regulation on the pill. The pill blocks the communication between your brain and your ovaries telling you to ovulate, to have a cycle X, Y, and Z. So what the pill actually does is it halts your cycle altogether. There is no such thing as um, as birth as hormonal birth control uh, balancing your hormones. What's going to balance your hormones is you working on your own body to balance your own hormones. No drug is going to balance your hormones. So that's what I find really hard as well as then doctors just give girls the pill of like, there you go, that's how you fix your PCOS, that's how you regulate your hormones, and it's not how you regulate your hormones. And for a lot of girls that have PCOS, they may um, also have like increased acne and um, increased male hair growth patterns. And that's because of an increase of the hormone called androgens, which is your male hormones. Um, And that can be quite like confidence, uh, like I'm going to say it's not even the right word, ruining. Jelly's going absolutely disgusting running around the house. (laughs) Don't know if you can hear that. He's doing zoomies (laughs) running around. Can you please be quiet? (laughs) He's Look like, he's so got his head on the side looking at us um, like, why? Why can't I, I play? Um, <laughs> We're trying to do a podcast, man. <laughs> um, so with PCOS, um, yeah, so if your androgens are really high, obviously it can it can kind of crush your confidence when you're having these like weird abnormal hair growth patterns where your acne is increased. And again, the pill might quote unquote fix it, but it fixes it because it puts a bandaid on it. So whilst the male hair growth patterns might stop, you haven't fixed the problem. So as soon as you come off the pill, the risk is that you'll actually have an increase in those hormones even more so. And so the bottom line is, ladies, you are going to have to deal with the problem one way or another. So if you keep band-aiding it, you're never going to deal with it. And when you do finally deal with it, it's going to be so much worse. And let me tell you, your menopause will be horrendous and that's not worth it. Like you, you can deal with this really, really quickly. I mean, I, I've had clients that have come to me with the worst period pain for their whole life. Like we're talking like 26 years or like, you don't have a period when you're zero. So like, let's say, you know, 10 years, 14 years of horrendous periods. And they've done, that's why I call myself the period whisperer. Cause I'm not even know how to fucking, how I fucking do it. And they've tried everything for their period, gone to everybody. And then they see me and their period cramps are gone. And that's not just to be like, Oh, come to me and I'll fix everything. But that's to be like your period problems. They just, because you've seen three people about it and they are like, Oh, I don't know. Or you've tried things. It does not mean that you then have to live with them because whatever uh, hormonal issue that you're having, your body is trying to communicate something with it. You're not born just like with acne. Like that's just going to happen. It doesn't matter if your mom had acne, you can turn off those genes. It does not mean that you have to just suck it up and deal with it. Um, And so 
yeah, I think what's what's really hard for me to see is like doctors not um, empowering women to go and like fix the root. It's just like, here's a Band-Aid, here's a Band-Aid, here's a Band-Aid. And it crushes your confidence in your own body. It makes you feel like something's wrong with you of like, oh my God, I can't have kids. Like my body isn't working properly. And that is so shame inducing. Um, and endo is the same. Endo is so misdiagnosed. Like, oh, you have painful periods, you have endo. Oh, you have painful sex, you have endo. The only way to diagnose endo is to go in for surgery and then to see the scar tissue. That is the only way to diagnose endo. And for a lot of women, the surgery to remove it can really relieve a lot of the pain. And that's amazing. But the problem that doctors then don't tell you is some doctors will put you on the pill because then they're like, that's going to stop it from coming back. But that's the thing. It will come back. The scar tissue can come back. And a lot of women, they don't fix their hormones before they go in for surgery. So their hormones are fucked. They go in for surgery. Then they come out of surgery and their hormones are still fucked. So it grows back and it can grow back worse. And then they have to keep having these surgeries. And if you think about it, surgery is like going to cause you a lot of inflammation. You need a lot of drugs. Your body has a lot of stress that it goes under and your inflammation increases in order for you to repair yourself. So what have you done? You just made a beautiful environment for more hormonal dysregulation, which then breeds more endometriosis. Um, And so what's really important with like, even if you need to have surgery for endo, there's nothing wrong with that, but you want to make sure that you have done everything and balanced your hormones months before you go into surgery so that your surgery is preventative for more uh, endo tissue growing instead of your surgery being a band-aid of like a quick fix solution. And then you have to keep going and going and going to having more surgeries. And that's really important to know. Well, it's just devastating that there's so many people struggling with this who not only don't have answers, but are going to people who they think that they can put their trust and faith into and they're getting misdiagnosed or they're trying all the things that they thought they need to do and it's not working and leading to those feelings of thinking that your body is broken when really the body is trying to communicate with you. Um, So What about the pill, right? I think one of the most common things I get asked on Q&As is like, what birth control are you on, Amy, if any? I'm not on any birth control. Haven't been since I was 17. YOLO. Um, (laughs) Trust the universe. That's my birth control. I'm kidding. That's my birth control. Don't do that. Um, And a lot of women that follow me are very interested in potentially you know, moving over to a more natural way of doing things, or they just want to be empowered with the information of like, what concept, what contraception is going to be least harmful to me, my cycle, my body. So what are your thoughts on the pill, the IUD and the implant? Okay, cool. So there's quite a few contraceptions. We'll do those three because they're the most common. So my Thing always with, with contraception, like hormonal contraception, is if you want to go on it because you have looked at all of your options and that feels like the best to you, amazing. That's an empowered, informed, educated choice. My problem is that when you go to a doctor's office, they don't give you every option. They give you all the hormonal options. They don't tell you the natural way of doing things. They don't say, oh, you can just use condoms, you know, and just understand your cycle. They don't tell you that. And so there's there's no empowerment around understanding our cycle, understanding our body as a woman, as a woman. And now the thing is, what actually also happens is that so many women then struggle to fall pregnant, and it's because they don't fucking know when they ovulate 
relate because nobody has taught them about their cycle of like, you actually have a very small window in which you can fall pregnant in. And most people think that you can fall pregnant at any time of your cycle. Now, newsflash, you need an egg to be implanted to fall pregnant. If there is no egg there, then you cannot fall pregnant. Like, yeah. mind-blowing, but like people forget it. And that happens at ovulation, mm-hmm. right? Which is a small window and a lot of hormonal birth control turns off ovulation. Yeah. yeah. So basically, or like if you have an IUD, because there's something literally in your womb, like one, you like sometimes you do miss ovulation. The IUD is one of those things where you can ovulate sometimes for some women, which is great that you can kind of have a little bit of a cycle with an IUD, um, like with the marina, like a hormonal one um, is what I'm talking about. But And there's different names depending where you are in the world, but that's the hormonal IUD, not the copper. Um, but then the, then the other thing with the IUD is the, the, the fact of you having a foreign object in your womb, which I don't personal like sound of um that will that can not will stop implantation babies have been born with like an iud wedged in their head so it doesn't actually stop pregnancy by any means it can just like prevent it doctors don't tell you all your options and i just want you guys to have all of your options hormonal and non-hormonal so that you can make an empowered decision about what feels best for you and also it's really important to understand that when you do want to conceive that you need to spend about two years off the pill if you can, or off your hormonal birth control before you uh, conceive. So you want to have like, you so before you, before you give birth, so you want to have like a year of balancing your hormones and then you can have that nine months of like being pregnant and then giving birth. Because what happens is so many women, they just come off the pill, take out their IUD and they want to fall pregnant straight away and they either are struggling to or they do and their baby isn't as healthy as what it could be. Their body, their body as the mother is not as healthy as what it could be. And it's a beautiful, beautiful combination and recipe for postnatal depression. And like you look at postnatal depression and it's on the rise and yes, more women are reporting it. I understand that. And more women also are going into pregnancy and then not as healthy as what they could be, what they could be going in and coming out. So you don't just want to think, oh, I got to be healthy during my pregnancy. You also need to be healthy during the birth, which is traumatic as fuck on your body in a beautiful way. And then you also need to be to be really healthy um, after you've given birth in that postnatal period. And a lot of women forget about, I need a lot of nutrient stores for that postnatal period they forget about that. You're going to be on minimal sleep. You've got a baby fucking glued to your tits. Basically, if you haven't upped your nutrient stores before you, before you fall in pregnant, where, like, how are you going to all of, all of a sudden expect yourself to be like getting all these nutrients when your baby has literally taken half of you during the growing process? Cause actually basically what happens, like your baby takes half your thyroid, not like physically takes it, but like in terms of thyroid hormones, it actually takes half your thyroid hormones. So if you don't have a really strong thyroid going in, this is why also so many women, they fall pregnant, they have a baby and then they're really struggling to like lose their baby weight. They're exhausted all the time. Their hair is falling out. That is linked to thyroid stuff as well. So you really want to make sure you're going in healthy. So those are kind of the things to know before you go on any contraception. I'm just kind of making that little promise to yourself that like, yeah, I'm going to give myself plenty of time of being contraceptive, uh, contraception free before I want to conceive and making sure that I'm going into that process really, um, in a really healthy way. So in terms of the pill, I know, I don't know whether you know, I know so many people that have fallen pregnant on the pill. The pill does not stop you from falling pregnant it actually is less effective than knowing your own cycle. So knowing your own cycle. So natural method, right? Pull out. 
Yeah, so exactly. So, well, the fertility awareness method is found, is what it's also called. And if you understand your own cycle, basically, you know, your day of ovulation, now warning, it can change, right? Mine sits around 18, but it can change. So understanding your cervical fluid is so important because it will never lie. Um, And when you can track your cervical fluid, you can also track your uh, temperature if you want to as well. You can even track how your cervix feels. That can be quite um, just like annoying for some women. Like it's just like a a nuisance. I I don't personally do that. But um, the tracking your temperature one can also be really good to do, but you can't rely on an app because the app does not know whether you've had some massive emotional stress in your life right before ovulation that's delayed ovulation but your cervical fluid will tell you so I go I go just off my cervical fluid now but I have a lot of trust in my body like a lot of trust um I often won't even if I if I know that I'm not in my ovulation window I won't even pull out because I don't I know my cycle that fucking well that I trust my body I'm like if I if my cervical fluid has dried up I know I'm in a luteal phase there's no way I can fall pregnant there's no egg there um and I'm not saying everyone else to do this this is like me personally so tune in for your, to yourself I'm also very intuitive I would know if I could have like if I could fall pregnant I can like feel that in my body I know what this is but yeah. tell them what does the ovulation fluid look like oh, yeah. in your underwear? Like raw egg whites. Yeah. So it might not even be in your underwear. You might just wipe and it, and it's like raw egg whites in your uh, toilet paper. And if you can't even tell with that, some women can't. If you pee really frequently, you might not be able to. So if you just literally stick your finger up your vagina and you just like just stick your finger up there and like put two fingers up there actually and pull your fingers out, you'll be able to see on your fingers the raw egg white cervical fluid. And it's it can be disgusting when you first do it and that just becomes like, wouldn't you rather that than like shoving a pile of hormones in your body if you don't have to? I would. Um, and again, nothing wrong with choosing that, but like choose the pill from an empowered place, not like a scared place because the perfect use failure rate. So if you perfectly use the pill, the failure rate is like 1%, right? Which is what like the box says, that's fine. But if you're an average person using the pill, there is a 6% chance that you will fall pregnant. That's why millions of women fall pregnant every year in the world. Like I'm sure so many people listening to this know someone that's fallen pregnant on the pill. I know so many people that have fallen pregnant. I was I was born, my mum was on the pill. Mm. She actually had gastro and it meant that her pill didn't work. For whatever reason, she still had sex when she had gastro. Yeah, love it, go mum. <laughs> and I actually only found this out like very recently nice. and I was like, oh, I was meant to be here. Uh, and yeah, I'm a I'm a pill baby. It was interesting actually. I saw an influencer recently who was doing an ad and promoting the app Natural Cycles, mm. which is for tracking your body naturally using the app and checking your temperature. Yeah. And I went into the comments to kind of see the reaction from people mm. and she was getting so much hate from people. It was so stigmatized that she was you know, quote unquote, promoting this method. And they were saying it's dangerous and all of this stuff. And I think it was really interesting because I feel like our society in general has this stigma towards people who do want to have this more natural way Mm. of their health and their wellness. And it's almost like you get shamed for that. It's like, weird for you to do that when actually this is the natural way. It's weird for you to not do it. Yeah. It's like people say like, oh my God, you eat so healthy. I'm like, no, this is normal. You eat crap. (laughs) do you know what I mean like like no but like honestly it's like well actually I'm just eating how I'm meant to eat like that's it like you're the one that's not eating 
like quote unquote properly, I'm eating normally. Like why do I have to be shamed for eating healthy food? Like I don't give a fuck anymore, but like I used to be shamed for eating healthy food. And it's like, I'm normal. Like tracking your cycle is normal. Um, how is it that women hundreds of thousands of years ago and thousands of years ago didn't have 10 million babies? Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's think logically, like you can't fall pregnant every day of your cycle. Anyway, so in terms of the fertility awareness method, if you are doing the fertility awareness method, which is understanding your cycle, and you do it perfectly, the failure rate is 0.6%, but we're not perfect. So the typical use failure rate, and this is what you have to pay attention to, doctors give you the perfect use failure rate, not the typical. So the typical use failure rate of the fertility awareness method, aka natural, is 1.8%, really low. So the typical use failure rate for the pill is 9%. So 9% of women fall pregnant on the, on the pill being a typical person. Now, the, the, the pill's perfect use failure rate is 0.3%. That's pretty close to the fertility awareness method's perfect use failure rate of 0.6, right? But I don't give a fuck about the, typical, about the perfect use failure rate because that's not accounting for travel, for stress, for taking an hour later or earlier here or there, for drinking alcohol, for being on antibiotics. That's not accounting for any of that. If you account for that, then you're a typical person and we're all fucking typical and your failure rate is 9%. So 9% of women fall pregnant on the pill. So I don't know about you, but if you're trying to avoid pregnancy, knowing your cycle statistically is actually a safer option. All right. And then you've got the IUD, you've got the copper IUD and the marine IUD. So with the copper IUD, I don't recommend it to people. Yes, it is non-hormonal, but women will typically have horrendously heavy periods for about 12 months before they settle down. That to me isn't worth it. So like I'm talking horrendously heavy periods. You also have to be so fucking careful, careful with your copper to zinc ratio. You can get copper poisoning. You don't want that. With the IUD, something the doctors don't mention a lot of the time, which is really unfortunate, is that you're not meant to have an IUD until you've had kids because if the IUD gets like um, dislodged in your uterus, uh, what can happen is that you have to get surgery to get it taken out. It can pierce the lining of your uterus. It can go up into your stomach. It can go into your bladder. I mean, you can be pregnant. It can be inside your baby's fucking like, skull. There's been you know, it happens a lot. It can go into your hip and then you have to get surgeries and actually it can, you know, stop your chance or can diminish your chance of having babies when you want to. A lot of doctors don't tell their patients, Hey, you're quite young. Do you want kids? Because you may not be able to have them. Like there's a risk with getting an IUD. A lot of women don't know that. And so I actually always say, if you want hormonal birth control, I actually recommend the pill. Yes, the pill. I mean, I've done multiple episodes on it. Yes, it is, you know, tied directly to depression. Yes, you can get brain tumors. Yes, it can fuck your libido for life. So if you're wanting to put it, but if you're wanting to go um, on hormonal birth control and you want to have kids, I personally would not risk the IUD because I would hate to literally have a physical problem with my womb that I could have kind of fixed. So that's kind of the take of the different ones. Now, obviously the IUD is more, um, is going to prevent more pregnancies. Hence doctors recommend it because it's basically hundred percent accurate because there is something literally lodged besides the hormonal side of it. There is something literally lodged in your uterus. So a baby can't really grow, but they still fucking can if they want to. Um, and then you've got all the other ones, like you've got the shot, which I never recommend because that is a lot of women that get that they have horrendous weight gain after getting it. So I never recommend the shot. Um, and then you've got obviously like you've got condoms, you've got female condoms, male condoms, you've got, um, there's, there's so many different other ones. You've got the, um, oh my God, I had a fucking brain fart. 
You've got the diaphragm as well, which is a really good option. Um, but I love the good old pull-out method and knowing my fucking cycle. It's worked for me. I've had less pregnancy scares being off the pill than on the pill. Yeah. Interesting. So Interesting. That's that. Well, because I know everyone will want to know I'm the mm. same. I'm pull-out method yeah. and just being aware of when I'm ovulating uh-huh. and I let Tristan know I'm yeah. ovulating. Either we're not going to have sex or we're yeah. going to be really careful. And it's kind of all good. He's yeah. pra- he practices conscious ejaculation anyway from, you know, tantra. Which is, so. which is important. It is, I will say it is helpful to be with a man that can like, he knows his body enough to be able to like hold himself that he's not going to just like accidentally come inside of you. Yeah. Um, people always ask like, what about like pre-ejaculation? That it is the smallest percent of that. Like the chance of you falling pregnant off pre-ejaculation, it would be a miracle baby. So like fucking keep it. If you were to fall pregnant off pre-ejaculation, like you have got a miracle child. It's a star seed um, and they've come to heal the planet. Literally, like please keep them. Um, and I will also say, I mean, I have a lot of trust in my body and also the universe on a woo-woo perspective. Yeah. And so I do believe like if I, I know all of this stuff and if I – was to actually be ovulating when my cervical fluid did not show me that my body did not give me any sign of that and um, my partner was to come inside of me I'm would I would be like okay well I meant to obviously have a baby so yeah 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 and I completely last thing I will say a lot of women have to have abortions and a lot of my clients have and it's really sad as well because they've been on the pill and they've fallen pregnant and I'm like, it breaks my heart because they didn't understand their cycle. They thought the pill was going to stop them from falling pregnant, having this problem. But what doctors don't tell you is like, if you're a normal human being, not perfect, which is all of us, then there is a 9% chance that you'll actually fall pregnant on the pill. So it's pretty fucking inaccurate. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. So clearly there's a lot of options. And just because you and I do something doesn't mean that someone Mm. listening has to do that because, you know, everyone has a different situation. But what I hear you saying is that you're an advocate for people having all the information, which is not being given Correct. to women so that they can then make that sovereign choice, yeah. right? And feel really good about your choice. So like, if you're wanting to avoid having a baby, the pill is not going to do that for you. You are better off knowing your cycle or going on an IUD um, or being on the pill and using condoms. Um, you can't know your cycle on the pill. You don't have a cycle on your pill on the pill. So if you are specifically trying to avoid pregnancy, you are much better off, in my opinion, using a natural, a more natural method because your body does not lie to you. That's the key thing. Your body doesn't tell you, oh, you're not ovulating when you're ovulating. It's not going to fuck with you like that. Um, and but if but a lot of women also go on the pill because they're their hormones are so fucked that they are struggling to like live every day. And so the pill does help them. And I empathize and I understand with that. And that doesn't mean that you can't start to balance your hormones whilst you're on the pill. So that, cause there is an art to coming off the pill so that when you do come off it, you don't feel that massive jump. Cause a lot of women just come off horm- a hormonal birth control and they feel this massive, like drop off effect. Um, and then they feel so horrendous. They have to go back on it. And that's why it's important to do this stuff and have someone there to help you to naturally, to, to, to properly come off whatever birth control that you're on. So you don't then have this massive rebound of hormones. Yeah. Cool. And so your new course that you've just launched doesn't do that. Okay, that you've got a different course that's about the, coming off the pill safely. Yeah, that's um the art of coming off hormonal birth control. So it's masterclass. You have a three month plan of everything to do, and then you're good to go. So it's actually pretty simple if you follow it. Like it's not rocket science. But then the new program is like 
all the PMS stuff that I kind of mentioned at the beginning. It's yeah. normal. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll link both of these yeah. in the show notes. So now I want to talk about something that you always say, and that's that your period is your monthly report card. Yes. So what does this mean? And if we're suffering from certain symptoms, what can we do to bring those grades up? Okay. So yes. So the reason why I say that is because when you go to a doctor, um, they're not going to tell you very much, unfortunately, um, most doctors anyway, and um, they'll give you a, they'll give you a pill and you've just paid yourself. You just paid them like a hundred bucks or quid or whatever you, whoever you are, wherever, wherever you fucking live <laughs> in the world, you've paid them a lot of money for generally speaking a drug and that you have to then go and do a prescription for and pay from pay more money for. Um, so your monthly report card, what I mean by that is that everything that you need to know about your health will be in your period. If you've been stressed, if your cortisol is too high, if your progesterone is too low, if your inflammation is high, um, if your digestion is off, if your adrenals aren't happy, your body isn't happy, your period will tell you that. If you've got blood clots, look at your circulation, right? If you've got like a breakout of acne, again, look at your cortisol, look at what what your estrogen is doing. How's your liver going? If you are constipated or have diarrhea, you've got too much inflammation in your body. So all these symptoms are going to tell you something. Sore boobs, probably iodine deficient. Um, Iodine deficient, which also will relate to like any thyroid issues um, with like metabolism and weight loss and that kind of stuff or weight gain. Um, And so you don't need a doctor to do that. You need to understand your cycle. You need to understand what your blood is telling you, what your hormones are telling you, what your symptoms throughout your cycle are telling you. And that is, that will give you the exact basically problem that you're having and you haven't paid any money for it. Um, and how empowering, I find it so empowering to be able to know like, oh, my cortisol will be a bit high this month or like, oh, I need to like, um, you know, do a gut cleanse or something like that because of X, Y, and Z. How empowering to be able to have that message from your own body. No one else has told you that. Your body has told you, hey, we need a little bit of support in this area. Like your liver's a bit clogged. Can you help us out? Like how amazing. And you haven't had to go get blood tests or go to a naturopath or go to anybody else. You've been able to tell that from yourself. So being able to learn that and have that tool is amazing for you. But also it's so amazing for like your daughter or your future daughter right? For when she has a bad period for you to be able to go, Oh babe, let's take some turmeric instead of being like, Oh, I don't know why I just had a bad period too. We all have bad periods. It's normal. Mm. It's just part of being a woman. That's what I was always told. Most women are told it's just part of being a woman. Oh, I had shit periods too, um, honey. Oh, I had endo too, honey. Why don't we go, Oh, let's take some turmeric. Well, like we should probably be eating some more veggies. Shouldn't we? Like how empowering to actually be able to like solve an issue rather than, oh, that's just how you have to live. Because mm-hmm. the bottom line is, ladies, like your shit periods, that is not how you have to live. Yeah. Um, and like I don't care whether you've gone to 100 people, go to 101 because I've had people that have gone to every energy healer, every this, every that, and then we fix their period. And the weight off their shoulders of like, oh, my God, I don't now have to dread that day every month. I get to just enjoy it. I don't have to take time off work. I don't have to cancel my clients. I don't have to be in agonizing pain. I don't have to deal with like the stress of knowing that my boyfriend's going to hate me for a week because I'm a moody bitch. That is freedom. That is fucking freedom. You know, like that's just, that's amazing. Yeah. It's going to change everything else in your life. And isn't it funny how human beings are so arrogant that we think that everything else in nature works 
perfectly and has been designed to live completely synchronistically and congruently, yet nature fucked up when it gave women a period, right? It's just... Oh my God. Do you remember when I was living in Australia and there was that Guardian article saying it was like that period, you don't need a period to be healthy. And that was how, and literally I need to find the article. And it was like, God, the one thing God did wrong, literally in the article, the one thing God did wrong was giving women periods and literally doctors, I'm going to find the article and you can put it in the link in the description doc literally this doctor had written that women don't need periods that periods does not add to a woman's life it has got nothing to do with like the vitality and the health of her I was like that doctor needs to have her fucking license revoked because that is disgusting that a female doctor would say that about a woman's cycle like oh yeah like a woman like how do like people fall pregnant because they have a cycle how is not having a cycle how is having a cycle God fucked up? What? That literally makes no fucking sense. Yeah, but it's just the, you know, the human condition, especially right now, is that we are disconnected from the feminine, Yeah, which means that we see ourselves as different to nature. We see ourselves as superior and separate, and we think that science is king and, you know, if someone in a white lab coat doesn't Guys, tell science you. science started from nature. <laughs> Science started from fucking nature. Actually, really realistically, for anyone who doesn't know, pharmaceutical industry it was is based off herbalism. It's the original industry, which would now be considered woo woo Mm. and alternative. Uh, uh, Astronomy was based off astrology. So for people who are like, "Oh, astrology is is bullshit," yeah. I mean, just look at you and I, we're the quintessential Sagittarius <laughs> and, and Leo. <laughs> and, and honestly, guys, like I, yes, I'm 50 woo-woo, but I'm also 50 real. Like, I mean, I've got like this ginormous document of a link of every fucking science thing that I say um, and multiple studies backing up everything I say for anyone that's like, oh, I need a fucking study. Um, but like tune in with your own inner compass. Like it's just, I'm saying shit that's not even woo, it's fucking logical, mm. right? Like it's just logical what I'm saying when you think about it um I actually just remember that Guardian article I did a podcast on it I'll find the episode and you can link it and I went through why it's all bullshit and I think I linked the the article but I'll try and find it. it's probably taken down by now because surely that doctor was fucking sued I hope so um <laughs> so like fuck she does not deserve to be a doctor I don't normally say that but like she does not deserve to be a doctor who the fuck would say that anyway yeah so I know that you talk about how to still live your life while you have a period so like not going to the nth extreme where you just literally don't have a life during your period or you're being so extreme with your habits and so devoted that it's actually stopping you from having a normal modern lifestyle so what are the key things that we want to integrate that still allow us to be balanced and have fun yeah okay so yeah that's like a really important thing so I always say like in the beginning of working on your hormones we want to nail them so we do want to what could be seen as be a little bit restrictive but it's very short term because if you can nail your hormones and have a really solid foundation then once they get really sturdy you're pretty good to go so once they get really sturdy you can go out drinking you can eat sugar when you're when you're you know in Italy you can eat too much at Christmas you can have late nights you can be a bit stressed and your hormones will be able to like deal with it pretty well um so in the beginning, we need to like nail the foundation. And then once we've done that, it's really about helping your body to feel supported during times when it needs support. So 
during that Christmas New Year time when we're all sleeping less, stressed more. I mean, I don't know about this year, but sleeping less, sleeping less, stressed more. Normally there's Christmas parties galore, alcohol galore, food galore. Shopping is just like ripping your hair out kind of thing. Um, and I mean, it's all a vibe. I fucking love it. I would never change it. It's like, I love Christmas so much. I mean, hello. Like if I could have Christmas all year round, I fucking would. You know what's stressing me out the most? Where in my house am I going to put the Christmas tree? Like, where is the space? That actually is causing me stress. Anyway, um, (laughs) so we want to like support your cycle where possible. So what's really empowering to know is that you can go out drinking and that when you come home, take your B B vitamins, take some vitamin C, make sure you eat lots of brassica veggies the next day, drink a pile of water. What Um, veggies are they just for anyone who doesn't know? Any veggies that make you fart, essentially. So cauliflower, broccoli. (laughs) She knows all about that. Cauliflower, broccoli, (gasps) asparagus, um, uh, kale, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, all those kind of ones. Crucifixes, brassica, they're the same thing. Just Google them and you'll get a list. Um, They really are good to flush your liver out. So, you know, little things even like when you're going out for drinks, try and avoid like really sugary cocktails. Stick to like spirits if you can. Obviously at Christmas time, have your champagne, like like fucking YOLO. And what can you do when you come home and the next day to support that? Um, You know, if you're really stressed, cool, let's take some ashwagandha. Let's take some rhodiola. um, Let's try and go to bed early. Let's have a bath to relax. Let's do the things to support our body because I am not someone where it's like you need to meditate for three hours a day you can't be stressed you can't have adrenaline running through your body when you're really excited about something you can't go out drinking you can't eat bread if you want to eat bread I'm not that person I'm like you do that when it nourishes your soul so because my analogy this has got I don't know whether there's any science behind it but I I don't think there is any science behind it but who the fuck cares um I've done this personal test on myself frankly so when I go out drinking I don't do it anymore but when I used to go out drinking for like I would drink to have fun or I would drink to um, like I wanted something. So I would drink, right? Like it was going to give me more, it was going to let me have more fun or whatever it was. I would be more hungover than what I wanted to drink because I was already having fun. When I was drinking for my soul, like I was out with the girls or I was having a party at my house and I was so excited to just let my hair down and have a bit of fun and just go dance, go crazy dancing. I wouldn't be hungover, right? But then the days where I would drink when I was like, you know, needing to drink to have fun or whatever, I'd be more hungover. So my analogy also is that if you're, you know, eating, you know, quote unquote bad food, um, when you're on holidays, when it's nourishing your soul, you're drinking more around Christmas because it's fun and you're at parties, your body is going to be able to deal with it way better because you don't have at the same time a pile of cortisol pumping through you because you're stressed, unhappy, and depressed. Now, yes, alcohol does raise your cortisol levels. However, just think about it logically again. If you are having the time of your life with girlfriends, with family, whatever, and you're having a few drinks, all that serotonin, all that dopamine, all that oxytocin, that is going to like offset basically all of that cortisol that has increased because of the alcohol. So, um, you know, it's, it's not about that you need to live your life with this like perfect cycle and you can only eat these certain foods at this time. You can only do this at this time. You're just like, well, fuck that shit. That's so not sustainable. I don't even fucking do that. It's more about like, how can we support our body through our cycle? Yes. Like for example, try and avoid eating a pile of raw foods when you're bleeding or in your luteal phase, try and eat more grounding foods. If you're out with the girls or something and there's a really good salad that you're all going to share and it's a raw one, 
You're not going to fucking die if you have it, right? Mm-hmm. Go home and have a fucking cup of tea to warm, warm, warm your body up again. Like, you're fine. Um, so I don't want anyone thinking that, the, that their period and their cycle has to now, like, control their life by any means or, um, or like, stop them from being able to have fun or, like, I'm the queen of fun. That doesn't happen over here. It's really just about feeling like your body is supported and you having the tools and the knowledge to – do, to know what your body needs in those times of like heightened stress or um, when you're sick or that kind of stuff. Oh, speaking of sick, another thing a doctor, one of my clients said to me today, she put in her like notes, whatever, for the session. Like I always feel like I'm going to get sick before my period. And I was like, oh, that's just because of your hormones. Like you obviously like your progesterone isn't offsetting the big drop in estrogen. Like you probably have a bit too much estrogen still in your body. And she was like, oh my God, Monica, no doctor has been able to figure that out. And you just told me that in one second. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. So if you've gone to your doctor and they're like, I don't know why that's happening. It does not mean that something is wrong with you. It's that they actually don't know why it's happening, unfortunately. And they're just like not really trained in this area. Um, and a little fun fact that if you're, so, you know, the man flu Mm. and everyone makes jokes and picks on men for like the man flu, men actually get the flu worse than women, but a general, a general, like everyday flu because they have less estrogen than us. So estrogen makes us not feel that pain as much when we get the flu and it helps our immune system. Also, if you have this massive drop of estrogen because your hormones aren't balanced, so therefore in your luteal phase, when your estrogen's dropped off, you feel like you're about to get sick all the time, that's hormonal imbalance. And like when she told me a doctor couldn't figure that out, I was like, that's so fucking concerning. Like as soon as she wrote that, I was like, oh yeah, that's just that. Like, <sighs> And anyway. with regard to exercise, yeah. there's yeah. a lot of mixed opinions. Let me shut the door, keep talking. There's a lot of mixed opinions when it comes to should we work out during our period, uh, other certain kinds of exercise that we should do at different times of the month. Something that I see is like a lot of people who advocate for doing a lot of HIIT during their period because they think it reduces their cramps because of the blood flow. Now, I know that you don't agree with this, but (laughs) I wanted to bring it up because I wanted to open a dialogue around it and uh, get your take on like what kinds of exercise should we be doing cyclically throughout the month if we want to promote like optimum regulation of our hormones. Yeah. Okay, cool. So do not do fucking hit on your period. Just think about it. Like your body is literally fucking bleeding. You are releasing the lining of your uterus. Do you think it's very nice to then go and like essentially kill yourself at the gym. No. So don't do hit, please. If you want to help with blood flow, I totally get that. Great. Do some like gentle Pilates. You could do some yoga. You can do some twisting. You can jump on a rebounder, which is like a mini trampoline. Go for a fucking walk. Oh my God. Who knew? That helps circulation. You know what helps circulation is by literally having pressure in your feet like that. If you're looking at the screen like that, what that does is it literally pumps the blood through your body. That's all you, that's all that you need to do. So if you went for a walk that would get your circulation going the end um so with your cycle first so you bleed that's like the first day of your period is the first day of your cycle so in that first week where you're bleeding around three to five days however long you bleed for you do not want to be bleeding for more than five days fyi that's too long um you should be doing very low intensity chill exercise so it depends on how i'm feeling for my period but like I always say, avoid heavy ab stuff, especially like low ab stuff. Now, if you're in, if you're really into Pilates, like I am, everything is core based. That's fine. But I will not 
click on an ab class when I'm on my period. I'll click on a booty class or I'll click on like a booty and arms class where if you're using your arms, it's going to turn on your abs. If you're using your ass, it's going to turn on your abs. But I am not purposely crunching and putting all of that like, uh, like just like pressure essentially on my womb. It already has enough pressure on it right now trying to bleed. You don't need to add more to it. So that's kind of number one when you're bleeding and you don't want to push yourself. So when you're doing a workout, this is why I kind of like home workouts sometimes if you're disciplined and have self-motivation, um, is that you feel less shame for like stopping when you need to. And that's important because if you are exercising and you are secreting a fuck ton of cortisol in like one of those I don't know what they're called, like CrossFit crazy classes. And you don't want to stop working out because you're afraid Jill next door is going to like, or like the little buddy next door is going to like think that you're like weak and, you know, lame, then you'll actually overdo it for your body. And that's not healthy either. So when you're in your follicular phase after ovulation, once you start to get your energy back, you're coming out of your cocoon, you can start to do some hit. You can do low impact cardio. You can do more intense toning classes, X, Y, and Z. That period of, of follicular phase and ovulation, you can do HIT. I will never recommend HIT every day, even in those two phases, because it is too much for your adrenals and you will crash in your luteal phase and then you will have a shit period that's going to catch up with you. So for me, I will do in that first half of my cycle, I don't do many toning classes. I will do more low impact cardio and a few HIT only because I like to get my cardio and HIT in in those two weeks because I know it's not going to um, overdo it on my body and I've got the energy to do so. And then in the second half of my cycle, I'll do a lot more toning and a few low impact, but I won't overdo it in the low impact. So when I say low impact, it's not a lot of, it's not jumping. I'm getting cardio without jumping essentially. Um, so I'm not overexerting my body and my joints causing a lot of stress and strain on my body. Cause you don't want that in the second half of your cycle. Um, so first half, even when I'm doing a little bit of hit in that follicular ovulation phase, it'll still be like two maximum three a week, fucking maximum. And it will be like a 30 minute hit class. And then maybe I'll do, if I have the energy, five or 10 minutes toning at the end. But this business of like a 45 minute, 60 minute hit class, you know how in a hit class you feel like you're dying? Yeah. Your body feels like it's dying. So what does it do? It starts to secrete a lot of cortisol. And what does cortisol do? It actually stores fat. It does not burn fat. So if you are wanting to lose weight, you can do little bits of cardio. You can do like a hit. You can do a 30-minute class. Great. Your cortisol hasn't been high for too long, which is important for our hormones. Now, men, they are different. Their hormones are completely different. Their bodies are completely different. Men are made to hunt to run, to fight. Women, we are here to gather, look after the kids. And oh my God, yeah, it sounds like, oh my God, like it's so against the modern times. I don't give a fuck whether it's against the modern times. It's how women are made. We are made to be in community. We are made to look after the kids. We are made to feel um, safe. That's why a lot of women as well, they'll people please and then they will man please. So I always say you cannot be, you might not be a people pleaser, but you might be a man pleaser. And that's more of a protective thing of like, I need protection from men and no shame on you. It's our fucking biology. Um, and then when you go into your luteal phase that week before your period, which often is like the PMS phase, not that it's normal, but it's common. That's when you want to really like uh, slow it down with the exercise. So you'll want to do more of those toning classes, less cardio stuff. Um, and you don't want to push it. So when you start to feel tired, take breaks in the middle of the class. 
don't start running around and doing like a pile of jumping shit. Um, go for longer walks if that feels better. And what's really important to understand is that if you do that and you're trying to improve your health, you're trying to get stronger or lose weight, you will get those goals by following your cycle. If you do hit all the time, if you do the same exercise through your whole entire cycle, you will not get the goal body that you want to get or anything like that. Because in the second half of your cycle, if you start to exercise over that 30, that 30, 40 minute mark, your body will actually start to gain weight and hold fat, not lose it. So mm-hmm. a lot of women don't know that, but I mean, so many of my clients and whatever, they or like even just followers, I've got like an ebook that you can download that goes through all this and shows people how to do it. Um, but they have said when they started doing this, their whole body changed. Like they lost so much weight and it's so easy because they're not overdoing it at the gym. They don't feel tired. Their body feels so fit and strong and healthy. And in the beginning, it was really hard mentally to wrap their head around exercising less in the second half of your cycle. But once they started to see the results of like, wait, I'm losing weight without doing anything and Mm -hmm. I'm exercising less in that second half, they were like, fuck, there's something to this. So yeah, it's. It, I will say it's very hard to wrap your head around it in the beginning because the media is still like exercise all the time, all the time. Yeah. But um, if you can just hang with it and try, you'll see the results in your own body in terms of like definition, strength, endurance, and it will make you realize like, fuck, there's something to this actually. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it's also important to say that there there is like a small amount of women who do do hit every day and are like on Instagram as these fitness models and trainers but mm. and they look amazing right yeah. they look so fit and so toned but what they don't say and some of them later come out and tell you is that they don't have a period they're anemic their hair's falling out they have no sex drive and yeah. none of that makes it to the gram you just see a girl who has you know abs. washboard abs yeah and you know, I don't really think that most women are supposed to have very visible abs. You're meant to have, so it depends. There's kind of two, um, lots of statistics. So basically they came out with this initial statistic saying that you needed 22, 24% body fat as a woman to hold a period. Then they came out with a new one saying, actually you can have less, but you need to eat a certain, you need to basically eat a certain amount of calorie if you do a lot of exercise you can if you can hold a period if you eat a certain amount of calories if you naturally have less body fat than that and you have a period that's fine like if that's a natural thing to you so so actually so for example do you follow ruby tuesday uh something or other on instagram she's australian I know who you mean. Okay, Ruby Tuesday Matthews. She gets so much. She's very skinny, and she gets so much shit for like, oh my god, you have an eating disorder. You should just own up to it. And she doesn't have an eating disorder at all. Um, and she's talked about it very openly before. She's just naturally really slim, and since breastfeeding, you can see a lot more ribs on her, like rib cage and that kind of stuff. And she said, like, I have a healthy period. I'm like, see, that's key. She's like, I get a regular period, so I'm fine. Like, she is fine. And I don't know her personally, but if she gets a regular, robust, healthy period then she's fine but you can but as a general consensus if you see women on instagram or whatever with washboard abs and with no fat around their hips and their stomach 
they very likely do not have a period because their body is like, I don't have enough fat to hold a baby if there was a famine. So yes, there are those women that are naturally very, very slim. And generally you can tell they're naturally really slim because they seem to have very, very small bones. So when they're very slim, they don't look really, really bony, if that makes sense. And that's kind of generally how you tell everyone's different, obviously. But yeah, on Instagram, when you see these women that do hit every day and that like your advocates for like these crazy exercise things every fucking day, what they don't tell you is that they like do the workout and need like a 10 hour nap afterwards or whatever, or they've got no period or they've got to PCOS or they've got, I mean, quite a few Victoria's Secret models that have fallen pregnant have come out saying I haven't had a period for seven years. And like, I was diagnosed with PCOS, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh my fucking God. Like, do you know what I mean? So you can't assume that like a Victoria's Secret model is, you know, thriving in, in, in her health because she doesn't have a period for seven years. For example, that's not thriving in your health. Like your period, it doesn't matter whether you want to have a baby or not. Your period is a sign of fertility. Your ovulation is actually so fucking important, more important than your period. So I don't care whether you don't want to have a kid. You want a healthy cycle because it is a healthy you essentially. That's why you want a cycle. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we could talk about this for hours. Yeah. I'm going to leave. Last thing. Yeah. You do need body fat. Like as a woman, it is very important, normal. And, um, and I don't want anyone thinking that they have to try and get rid of that last bit of stubborn fat. It's like, no, no, that bit of stubborn fat is actually your body being like, I've got fat to, to, for, for a baby. If I was to be in a famine and not have any food to eat, my baby would survive. That's why you have that stubborn bit of fat. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's just your actual uterus sitting there as well, isn't it? People don't forget that. Like it's very normal (laughs) that if you look on the side for a woman that she's got a little bit of a lump like at the bottom and not, not necessarily a fat lump, but like a curve at the bottom of her stomach, that's your uterus. That's yeah. your uterus, yeah. Like you got a womb. It's got a, men don't have a womb, so they don't have to store it there. Totally. Our womb needs a bit of space too, just a little yeah. bit. Amazing. <laughs> well, if you guys want to take your own journey forward, Monica's got so many amazing courses. We're going to link the new one that looks yeah. so amazing in the show notes. We'll also link the ones that we've mentioned. And if you want to find her on the gram, Monica Yates Health. Yeah, correct. And your podcast, Feminine as Fuck. Correct. Cool. Anywhere else they should come? Um, No, I think that's it. Amazing. Yeah, I was going to something really dirty that I did. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this episode ignited you, expanded you, and enriched your heart, your mind, your life in some way. If it did, reach out on Instagram. My handle is this is Amy Rushworth, or you can head over to my website for all my courses, retreats, and magical offerings at amyrushworth.com. If the show feels like a vibe for you, make sure you subscribe. And if you have 60 seconds to rate and review, or even to just share the show with a friend, I would be so, so, so grateful. And it helps more amazing, beautiful people like you to discover this show and to improve their lives for the better. Stay tuned for the next episode. And until then, I'm sending you strength, grace, ferocious courage, and a friendly reminder to always love yourself fiercely and to go out there and live your most unapologetic life.